Hello everyone, this is Nolan with the 307 RPG Podcast, and I just want to say thanks to all of our awesome patrons. If you like our show and want to support us, you can find us at patreon.com forward slash the Forge Herald. Thanks everyone, hope you enjoy the show. Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of the 307 RPG Podcast. I'm Patrick and I attended a convention in my underwear this weekend. So a lot of information. My name's Nolan, and I uh, wish I hadn't heard that. <laughs> that was just for you to kick off your morning. So yeah, quite literally, the Onyx Path Virtual Convention was this weekend, which means you got to attend a convention in the comfort of your home, however you were dressed. And of course, I was not in my underwear, but I just thought it'd be funny to say that. <laughs> um, so <laughs> welcome to the show, everybody. Our topic of the night is another interview. This time we are joined by David Barentine and Zach Goins. Uh, fans of the show should recognize Zach and David as we've had them on the show before to talk about their project, Knights of the Shadow Realm. That project was successfully funded on Kickstarter and it has propelled them forward to do more projects. They're joining us today to talk about their new ventures, but before we do that, we're going to jump into the news and we're going to kick off with video games. It's not something we normally do, but Nolan's been pretty damn excited about Lord of the Rings Online this last week. So I thought we'd turn it over to him so he could chat us up about what's going on with Lotro. Yeah, let me get the thing coming up, you know, so I, I think I cycle through games during the downtime, you know, uh, new things coming out. And this is kind of the lull or the gap in between new and old uh and so, yeah, hopping back into old games, playing EverQuest, playing Lord of the Rings. But I know that Lord of the Rings recently was picked up by uh, a, not necessarily a new developer, but some new people kind of doing their thing. Uh, and one of their first big patches they have is uh, something like the uh, the Tournament of Twins. And for if anybody's played that game uh, or hasn't, uh, it is not a PvP-style game at all. There is a player versus monster type thing where you can create your own character to be a warg or a goblin or a urukai, um, and then PvP that way. So this is a little different. They are saying they're going to create a new server you can log in, and when you log in, you choose one of Elrond's sons to join a side with, and they're having a tournament, and the whole world, I guess, is going to have a level cap on it uh, to keep it balanced so people can't just rush to high level and gank people. Um, so I don't know what the level is. It sounded like it was fairly low, like level 10, and then you will fight for honor, and the world just kind of becomes a free-for-all between these two factions, which I thought was kind of interesting. It's interesting to see their take on it. Um, but for something to hop in and play, even just uh, you know level 10 doesn't take very long, and just kind of see the world and then see it in this crazy chaos of uh, people fighting each other, I thought was kind of funny. You know, I remember years ago when I used to play um, MechWare, one of the things that I used to love doing is I would come in late at night, I'd get off work, everybody would be asleep, and I'd have all the lights off, I'd put the headphones on, turn the volume up, and just be me and the screen playing the game. And MechWare was a first-person shooter style that I could actually play, which so is brilliant. And as much as I hear you talk about Lord of the Rings, I have a feeling that if I were to have my own little space... That would be one of those where I turn off all the lights, put the headphones on, and it's just me playing this game. Because if you if you guys haven't seen video of this game, and especially Nolan has shown me um, going into like Moria, it is 
stunning. And, and he's he's told me multiple times, and, and Nolan, correct if I'm wrong, you could get lost just in walking around checking everything out. Yeah, they they did a really good job. They built the the world around the books, not necessarily uh, about the movies. Um, it is an older game, so the graphics are a little bit you know dated and that kind of stuff there. But as far as the landscape, um, the details and stuff like that, it is yeah. I, I will find myself sitting there and I'll be on a road and and lost in this place. And next thing I know, I've worked my way to the top of Weathertop, and from the top of Weathertop, you can see Bree, and uh, you can see why it was a great watchtower. And and they did an okay job in the movie, but you saw it on such a small scale. When you actually see it in the game and the size. I mean, it's probably three and a half, four minute walk to the top of it in game. Uh, and it, I mean, it's just a massive, massive watchtower. And so just getting the scope and the feel, uh, I don't know, it's fun to get lost in. And that's definitely that type of game. You know, I, I don't do it for competitiveness. I don't push. Um, I get to go see places. The story's well done. The characters are good. And uh, for a free to play game, it's one of the best ones and a good way to spend some time. He is tried tried and tried to convince me to download this game and i'm terrified too because i'm afraid i would just get sucked in and not do anything else for days the whole point of them to get lost <laughs> so they had a couple other video game things i saw that uh, Baldur's gate was talking about uh hoping to have something in august whether that's an early demo or a demo or a beta or an alpha i didn't see but it sounds like they're really pushing um they're looking for a will launch in early access this year after google stadia uh post claimed that the rpg was one of the ones they'll be coming to that uh, streaming service so we might see that later this year uh with early access so getting closer with that at least dungeons and dragons related i know there's a lot of hype around it uh what is it? Larian Studios did it. They're the ones that did Divinity Original Sin 1 and 2. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Um, I also saw Torchlight 3, which is another kind of uh, favorite game of mine that I've done in the past. Uh, it is moved to, I think, early access on Steam. Um, and those are, uh, Torchlight was made from some of the original creators of the Diablo series, Diablo 1, Diablo 2. And so it has that feel to it, just a little more uh, cartoony uh, and fun that way. So anyway, a couple of games kind of getting close. It is kind of coming to the the summer of release. You know, we saw some stuff with PlayStation 5 this week with uh, Spider-Man, Miles Morales. And so it, it's, yeah, the, the lull is getting to an end just in time for it to be summer and none of us have enough time to actually do anything we want. To <laughs> That's exactly it. I did notice before we logged in this morning and start recording that uh, we did see from Paradox, they released the trailer for or the video of the collector's edition for Bloodlines 2. Now, I didn't have time to work that into the show notes. I did post it on the Facebook page if people want to check that out. It's got, a, I think, a pretty hefty price tag of about $200 for a collector's edition. Nolan, you, you're more familiar with that stuff than I am. Is that normal? That seems a little high, but it also depends on what you get. You know, uh, I it depending on what it is, you know, usually I think uh, uh, World of Warcraft digital uh, collector's edition is just under 100. So I suppose if you got, you know, statues, poster, you know, some of the, the good swag, you, you remember the original like World of Warcraft boxes, oh, yeah. you know, those things yeah. were like 140, 150, and you got some pretty cool stuff with them. 
Well, this one comes but, with a seven-inch vinyl record, a statue, a poster, and a few, of course, downloadable content for your game. Um, it looks like it comes with quite a bit. I just, I don't know. As you and I have talked before, you know how I am. I, I balk sometimes at paying $60 for a video game. So uh, I got to tell you, though. Yeah, looking you got to really like it. Yeah, but looking at the content of this, and of course, it's Vampire the Masquerade, which is you know, one of my passions. So I saw it. It was, it's intriguing. I have a, I, again, I have a video on the Facebook page. If you guys want to check that out, other world of darkness related stuff, we did see the new trailer for earth blood for werewolf, the apocalypse. Did you get a chance to check that one out? I did not. I saw you sent it over to me though. It's pretty neat. A couple things that one that I, that jumped out at me right away. Um, first things first is you, you'll see at the beginning of the, um, trailer there's a pack of wolves that are running into this looks like a construction site it's a pentex uh, if you're not familiar with pentex pentex is a multinational company within the world of darkness that is corrupt as corrupt can be and they tend to be one of the favorite targets of werewolves so because they just destroy the earth and of course werewolves are the warriors of gaia so this is it's not labeled anywhere as Pentex, but I promise you this is going to be a Pentex organization. And this pack of wolves is running into this Pentex thing. Now, inside, there is a lone, you realize, a, a lone werewolf, a lone garou. Um, this is going to be the character that you're playing. And I think his name is Kahal, K-A-H-A-L, or C-A-H-A-L, sorry. A couple things that happen is you get to see him kind of go through a transformation, but there's some runes that flash. And I really think they're telling you through this trailer what this character is going to be. So the first one that flash is the tribe, and that's the Fianna. That was clearly a Fianna rune, which happens to be my favorite of the tribes. Um, the, the Fianna are the Irish, if you will, this, uh, those from the British Islands, um, very family-oriented tribe of werewolves. The second was the Auspice, which was Ahrun, which is are the warriors of the werewolves. Not that not all werewolves are were are warriors in some aspect, but these are the ones who that's how they get their honor and glory. And then the last was the breed, which is Hamid, meaning that this character was born to human parents, people with two legs, um, versus, you know, a wolf pup. So it's really neat that they showed you, you know, the tribe, the auspice, and the breed all in one. And it's just those flashing of runes. I thought that was pretty neat. If you get a chance, Nolan, make sure you check that out because it's a really cool trailer. Yeah, well. The next one for World of Darkness that was released was for Sony VR. Oh, I should mention that uh, Earthblood is going to be on multiple platforms now. The next one is Wraith the Oblivion Afterlife. Wraith the Oblivion, of course, is one of the core five World of Darkness games. And I got to tell you, man, I was stunned that they chose this one to be a VR game. Uh, if you watch the trailer, it looks creepy as hell. And of all the games, like I said, to choose as a VR, Wraith would not have been my first choice. But the more I think about it, the more it probably makes sense. And the reason I say that is Wraith is a very hauntingly beautiful and deeply dark game. I would think it would be terrifying to play this in VR, but then I think about it, and perhaps that's the point after all. I personally don't own a VR. Do you have a Sony VR, Nolan? I don't. I got to tell you, if I found someone who had this and they bought it, I might try it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I, I'm also afraid of you know the situation of I'm going to plug myself into the Matrix and never come back type thing yeah. with VR, so... <laughs> yeah i could see that especially you you more so than me because you're definitely more into video games than i am 
Okay, so that's all I had for video games, and I think that means we can jump over to Dungeons and Dragons, and we got some stuff to talk about here. Um, I did notice on Facebook, uh, Satine Phoenix was talking about a stream that she was going to be involved in with Felicia Day, TJ Storm, and Deborah Ann Wall called Dark Tides of Bilgewater. Now, I didn't realize this until Nolan told me that this is actually a League of Legends setting. Nolan, can you tell us any more about this? Yeah, so they're doing uh, Legends of Runeterra, and that is the upcoming or already out, I guess, of the League of Legends version of Hearthstone or Magic the Gathering. And so seeing this here is kind of interesting. I, I imagine it's a sideways uh, promotion. Um, and what they've done is they've created a little adventure. They actually have that Legends of Runeterra, Dark Tides of Bilgewater little adventure. Uh, that I don't know if this is the one they'll be playing it, but it looks like just a little like one shot. So you, I don't know, trying to bring I guess some league players over to D and D. I don't know if it's. I'd be curious to see if they felt like it. It's worked well enough with Magic, and that's you know we've seen the Theros, we've seen all that stuff. Maybe they thought, hey, why not? So. Yeah, and I think you're absolutely right. Now, it does if I remember correctly, the stream that that Felicia, that Satine and Felicia and then we're all on was last night uh there was so much going on on twitch last night with of course your normal twitch streamers but the onyx path virtual convention was going on last night uh you had this going on last night so i'd imagine that if you are a fan of rpgs you had a lot to watch last night <laughs> so i'd be curious to see how that went i might try to find some highlights of it to take a look at it uh it would be interesting tj storm was the dm with the ladies all being the players I'd, I'd be curious to check that out. You mentioned uh, Theros. Mythic Odyssey of Theros is, of course, out in the wilds. And I would have to imagine with so many retail stores being closed until recently, this might have been a difficult book to get a hold of unless you were doing things like Amazon. Now, I know, I believe, I shouldn't say I know, I believe our local store, Puzzles, was doing curbside delivery, which is fantastic. It's a great way for you to call in, place an order, and go get it. Nolan, I... I have to wonder with you, with Theros being the uh, Magic the Gathering setting and the setting that you came back to Magic in, did this book pique your interest at all? I think I was a little curious about it, but it's really tough. Uh, I don't feel the connection through Magic and D&D &D just because I, I didn't come into them at the same time. They're two completely different things for me. So that's really I don't know. And then after playing Scarred Lands, um, I feel like I've got my Greek mythical world that if I'm going to play in one, I want to play there. I like a little bit darker tale. Um, but it would, I mean, I don't know. I, I could see maybe playing it, but it wouldn't be my first choice. Sure. No, I, I can agree with that. And I sometimes struggle with um, the magic settings being transferred over to magic. I know I picked up the the Ravnica book when it came out. I did not pick this one up. I will say that if the Innistrad book came out, I would probably be very interested in that one just because, again, you know, you mentioned the kind of the darker side. I do like the darker side of things like that. So I would be interested in that one. Uh, let's see. I, I definitely could see that. I think that would carry over nicely, too, if you were going to do a, a Strahd type thing, pulling in Innistrad yeah. as well. Uh yeah, and and that's closer to you know probably closer to your style as well. You know, we play vampire. Of course, we're going to take a look at the vampire one. We don't do a lot with Greek mythology. We don't do a lot with that stuff. So, 
I will say that having the the Minotaur as a race might be one of the only things that I would pick up. Maybe pick them up as a playable one, just out of the love of the Dragonlance stuff. Um, but yeah, that was the, I don't know. That was about it. The deities and stuff like that. I know I'm from cards, but I don't right. feel a great tie to it. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of like the deities and stuff I wouldn't mind reading about. Um, but yeah, I, I do agree with you when it comes to the Greek mythology stuff in, in that whole mythos. I genuinely like Scarlands, and if I'm going to do it, that's probably where I'm going to play. But that's all right. It, it is out in the wild. There is a beautiful alternate cover uh, copy of that book available at your local game store. So if that is something you're interested in, make sure you check that out. Next week, June 18th through 20th, is D&D Live. Now, this looks like there's going to be a lot of going on at this virtual convention. Um, we are not, being in Wyoming, we are not unaccustomed to watching all of our events online. However, because of the global pandemic, this entire event will be on Twitch. I did post a link to the schedule in the show notes. Uh, have you had a chance to look over the schedule at all, Nolan? I didn't. Uh, again, I had a migraine this week and have been down for the count. You've been out for a couple of days. Yeah. I'll say that we're not, you know, we're used to, like you said, we're used to watching stuff online. Uh, in the past, we've, what was it? The uh, the one with the Beholder and stuff like that. That was the stream of many eyes or something. So anyway, we're used to it. They've done a good job in the past. It's really hard to say uh, that this will be any different because I feel like they've kind of nailed it the last couple of times. I really enjoyed Jock's Machina uh, the last year that it was on. So completely uh for us it's not unusual for us to watch like I mean, we've been saying it over and over now to watch these things on stream uh typically with D live we have that's usually what we do is we you know we just take turns checking in on it and see what's going on um they will be of course releasing the new storyline people will be the games will be playing uh in that wow i can't talk that's okay um one of the guests, one of our special guests tonight, Zach Goins, he was telling us uh, during the interview that I had with him that uh, he was selected to be one of the DMs for D&D Live. So he's super excited about that, and I and I don't blame him. That's that's pretty cool. Uh, you can, of course, see the full list of events at the link in the show notes, and you can also still sign up to play with other players virtually, as well as purchase merchandise from the event. This event is organized to raise money for Red Nose Day, which specifically they are raising money to help children affected by COVID-19. So a great, great um, charity organization to donate to. Uh, so just remember, as you're buying stuff, you are helping to support those affected by COVID-19. Uh, you got anything else for D&D, &D, Nolan? I was just curious. I know you said you kind of got to look at it a little bit. Did it ever, are we ever going to finally get a tie into that dice set and the Laurel Silverhand thing? I haven't seen anything yet. And maybe that's what we're going to hear with this uh, starting, what is it, Thursday, Friday? Uh, with the convention. Maybe we'll see something come out of that. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm I'm ready for some new stuff from them. Uh, not that there hasn't been anything, but I feel like we're due for a... A, big a one. real epic story, yeah, of yeah. some sorts. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. We're, we're, and I think the the fan base is ready for an epic adventure. Let's let's, and we've had some cool little things here and there, but let's let's get something that really affects everything. I mean, even a, a Tomb of Annihilation style, holy crap, the whole world is dying, and you all need to rally together to get this done. I think that'd be really cool. Agreed. 
Speaking of virtual conventions, as we mentioned earlier, Onyx Path did have their virtual convention hosted by Gehenna Gaming uh, this weekend, and it is actually going on as we are recording, and there has been tons and tons of panels as well as live recordings of uh, the Onyx Pathcast and uh, lots of games being played. I was able to watch uh, three or four different panels last night. I was flipping between uh, learning the story to story path system as well as watching a game of They Come From Beneath the Sea, which was freaking hilarious to watch. Um, so it was really cool to see that. There was an awesome V5 game ran by Matthew Dawkins that starred uh, Dixie Cochran of Onyx Path, Outstar, who's the community manager for World of Darkness, Bob from 25 years of Vampire the Masquerade, Vampire the Masquerade and Craig from uh, Red Moon Roleplaying. It was fantastic to watch. I didn't get to watch all of it, but I watched quite a bit. And then again, of course, the different panels. Like I started off with like, uh, what's up with Onyx Path? Um, how to write community content um, and various things like that. And at the end of each of these panels, they were giving away PDFs. So all you had to do was they say, hey, type hi in chat and you will be entered to win. And so you did. And if you won, you were emailed by the uh, moderator who happened to be our friend Travis Legg, and he would say, hey, where do you want me to send the PDF to? And you'll get it as soon as the convention's over, which I think they're going to send those out on Monday. So it was it's unfortunate that you've been down with the migraine. Hopefully you can get a chance to check some of that out. It's going on all day today, Nolan. So maybe pop cool. in and see something if you want to. Sounds good to me. Yeah. Uh, Legend Lore made a triumphant return to Kickstarter this week, and I say triumphant because as the convention launched on the first day, Legend Lore was fully funded. Uh, lis listeners of the show know that we had Legend Lore developer Steffi Devon on the show to tell us all about this new setting for your D&D 5e games. I wanted to say congrats to Onyx Path for successfully funding Legend Lore, and congrats to Steffi. I know that she's probably been chewing her nails off in anticipation of this getting funded. I'd imagine there's going to be some epic level stretch goals unlocked with this campaign, so be sure to check it out. There is, of course, a link in the show notes. Now, you and I have talked a little bit about Legend Lore, and it's it's an interesting D&D 5e campaign, or campaign setting, and I know we both have our thoughts on it. <laughs> yeah, I... I... You know, from a standpoint, I would like to see it uh, kind of revised. Um, I know you talked a little bit about the cartoon or comic book of the past. Right. I, I've i been fascinated, and I think a lot of authors get that way as well. I know uh, Ari Salvatore wrote a, uh, a book, kind of the woods out back type thing, where a kid's home from college goes out back to read a book, and he's reading uh, Lord of the Rings or something, falls asleep and wakes up with a... Uh, leprechaun looking bastard reading his book and uh he's in a different world kind of built on our world and kind of one of those things of like well he goes through these adventures and and does the deed and time passes very strangely um and through the whole thing the leprechaun is reading lord of the rings he's like oh this guy's clearly been here before i mean he doesn't have all of it right but i could see it from you know that kind of perspective and you know we kind of incidentally show up where you need to show up to help save the day or something. So I, I, I like the idea. I like the idea of bringing yourself over. Right. That's kind of a, a fun way of doing it as well. Um, it, it gives an interesting opportunity. You know, I think depending on how you role play being, being me in that kind of world, you know, trying to 
it'd be interesting to see what you become, I suppose. And I think that, I think you nailed it right there. And that's probably where I back legend lore. Cause I think it's a fascinating game and, and, and I'm drawing this and I, I need to play it so I can check it out because I'm drawing this, this hiccup, if you will, of thinking that I'm going to play me in this game because I play role-playing games to play something, you know, like a wizard who is, you know, a grouchy, you know, motherfucker or, or a loud mouth dwarf who's deaf because he's shooting guns all the time. That's, these are not people that are, these are not, this is not, that's not me. And, you know, I tend to be a very quiet right. person. So it'll be interesting to try to play. And I think that's exactly it. I'm going to have to try to play me. I won't be comfortable just sitting down playing me. Well, I think I think there's an opportunity there uh, for good and bad, and I think that's the hiccup of it. Of if you're playing yourself, and um, I don't, you know, I, I think about like when I pick a character, and sometimes like playing the paladin in Curse of Strahd is really difficult because it's depressing, and you see the character fall or become depressed. That opens yourself to an opportunity to uh, go with that character and feel those emotions. It might be a completely different thing of like wow, I just played myself into a depression. And I don't like myself. <laughs> so those are kind of the weird things or, or, well, you know, why did you, what is your character? Like, you know, well, over the course of the adventure, you know, I grew four and a half inches. Uh, and you know, it's what, you know, and all of a sudden I have this, now my character is who I wish I was on the inside outside type thing, you know? So I, I could see some of that stuff of having some conflict there of just like, Oh, that's how you really see yourself. That's really messed up. Do you remember that time you like, you know, cut that kid's hand off for stealing Mr. Paladin? That was you. That wasn't the, wow, you're messed up. You know, you might look at your friends a little different afterwards. So, and again, that's, you know, until you actually see it, those are kind of my reservations on it of, uh, you know, I, I am a bald guy. I've been losing my hair since I was 18. You know, next thing I know, I've got some Fabio looking hair in this game because I'm dealing with my own, uh, all my hair decided to migrate to my back as I've got an older type situation going on. And uh, now all of a sudden I got Fabio in game. People are going to be like, yeah, that guy's going to get a hair transplant someday. That, that's too funny. Um, if you're curious about Legend Lore and you haven't, you know, jumped on the the, the Kickstarter you can go to the Kickstarter. There is a link there to go to Drive Through RPG to pick up a free copy of the manuscript, which isn't something Onyx Path has done before. And and I do believe the reason was is that this did go to Kickstarter before, right as the pandemic broke out, and they took it down. So they want to make sure that that people have a chance to really check it out. So if you want to try it and just read through it and see if it's a game for you, you can go get a free copy of the manuscript, which is pretty cool. Let's see, new releases for Onyx Path this last week, not this week, included Night Horrors, Nameless and a Curse for Mage the Awakening. It is available on Drive-Thru RPG in PDF or POD format. And of course, they also released in PDF, it's the advanced PDF of Changeling the Lost 2nd Edition Dark Eras Collection. This is, as always, available on Drive-Thru RPG. That's all I have for Modifius. I know there was uh, Matthew made several Matthew Dawkins made several announcements yesterday. They did talk about the third book in the They Came From series, which is going to be based on old westerns. Uh, they talked about other stuff that they have coming up for their various titles. Uh, Matthew talked about some of the books that are coming out based on Cults of the Blood Gods. Uh, so there's there's a lot of stuff that they have coming out in the future. But Onyx Path is always always doing a lot of stuff. Did you ever watch uh, Cowboys and Aliens? 
Cowboys vs. Aliens. I did not. It's like Harrison Ford and Daniel Craig. And that's yeah. what I want. I would play that game in a heartbeat. I love old timey westerns. I am a huge fan of the trope. And I am I am down for that one. Out of all the ones that they've said so far, I just got excited. So I'll play them all. I'm looking forward to them. They sound fun, but I am down for a a, a western style. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's my jam. <laughs> that's that's awesome. <laughs> okay, let's jump over to Modifius. Give me just one second. Um, just had to respond to that phone call. Um, so Modifius news this month includes yet another Conan release. I'm telling you, man, they just crank these suckers out. This one is titled Conan. It's a big world. It is a big world. Conan Cull of Atlantis. It reads, uh, before Conan, there was Cull. Explore the magic and mystery of the Therian age when Atlantean barbarian Cull rose to become king of Valusia. Uh, Valusia? I'm not sure how to say that. Greatest of the seven empires in this new awesome Conan sourcebook. So if you're a fan of the Conan RPG, there is a new sourcebook available through Modifius. Uh, there is a big sale on John Carter of Mars. Nolan, tell me what it is you love about John Carter. Uh, I think it's just because it it's the original. I mean, it kind of started it all, so it kind of gets that... Uh, I don't know. It gets the nod. I, I don't remember correctly, but I've, I remember reading one time that it was like one of the first places to... One of the first times writing about uh, spaceships and life on mars and aliens and it really just kind of i mean if you look at star trek you look at star wars i mean it all has to get a start from somewhere and this guy kind of went out there and did it crazy like and and it's a fun idea uh it being a fairly smart as well you know john carter is uh he ends up on mars and he is kind of a superhero because the gravity's not as as there so you know all of a sudden he's strong because his bone structure is, you know, different. It's used to earth's gravity and all these people are light and frail and he can jump far and he can run fast. You know, it's kind of one of those things. So he shows up and gets to be a hero. And I mean, for, uh, for what it was for when it was, I mean, that's just, that's pretty cool. I, I should go back and watch this movie. I usually am a fan of movies that do terribly at the box office. Oh, it's, it's a horrible movie, but it's fun. I mean, it, it gets a, it was enough to spark my interest of at least uh, diving deeper. And there's a huge book series. I mean, it's it's really is. There's quite a few of them. I can't remember if it's six, seven, or eight uh, in the the tales of John Carter. Yeah, it's. I know it's an older series, so that's cool. So there is, like I said, a huge John Carter of Mars sale going on over at Modifius. A Modus, blah, blah, blah. Modifius also is giving a nod to the folks over at Helmgas, and I believe this is because they help uh produce some of these books uh and the launch of their latest kickstarter for the game cult divinity lost uh you of course can find the link in the show notes if you don't know cult is a horror role-playing game that's been around for somewhere around 25 years uh it is you know where i say wraith is hauntingly beautiful cult is downright scary uh, I happen to listen to I've got because I've been really interested in this game for a while now. Red Moon Roleplaying has an actual play of it out called The Summit, which is GM'd by Matthew Dawkins. I'm on episode four. I finished episode four last night. And let me tell you, this is one hell of a story. And it, it is creep factor to the nth degree. Uh, there was multiple times as I was listening to it where I just went, Oh my God. I mean, like out loud would say this. I was so blown away by just the overall performance of everybody involved. I actually messaged Matthew and just told him that, that 
I was just wowed. It is, like I said, this is this is horror. And it's not like hack and slash horror. This is horror that it just hits you in an area that makes you go, what the fuck? Nice. I, I highly recommend people listen to the um, to the actual play. It's five or six episodes long. I do have a link in the show notes where you can listen to the first episode. I, I think you'll be hooked. Speaking of horror... Uh, Chaosium. I didn't see anything new coming out from Chaosium, although I did notice that there was a lot of stuff added to the Miskatonic Repository, which is the community content created site. Community created content site. Said that backwards. Sorry. Um, I've been listening to Delta Green, which is a story by the folks over at Twin Cities by Night. Uh, if you haven't heard of them, Twin Cities by Night does a ton of actual plays for all sorts of games, including World of Darkness, Chronicle Darkness, Call of Cthulhu, and more. Um, I've listened to several of their shows. Delta Green is a Call of Cthulhu game. Uh, it's a Call of Cthulhu supplement. And again, it's another one of those where I'm just like, holy shit. It's, it's made me really want to play horror role-playing games. And I've linked uh, one of their Delta Green shows in the show notes so you guys can check that out as well. Have you ever played any other horror role-playing games, Nolan, besides the ones that I've thrown at you? I've not. It's not, I don't know, it's not usually something I do. Um, and again, it's just one of those things of, I just don't think I got exposed to it very early. So it's all new to me at this point, but sure. I like, for me, it's an escape. I don't read those kind of books. I don't watch those kind of shows. Uh, it's really hard for me to play a game where it's like, wow, everybody's really messed up. I like playing games where you're, you know, it's mindless and stupid, but at the end of the day, you know, you save the kid who got kidnapped by the goblins and you get a reward and the world's a better place because you're in it type of thing. And that's usually, those are the games, those are the movies I gravitate towards. And so this has all been new. Not saying I wouldn't do it, just saying it's new. And Right. Yeah, you've been, I mean, for the most part, you've been pretty open to me saying, hey, Nolan, let's try this. And you look at me like, what the fuck is wrong with you? All right, let's do it. <laughs> hey, let's all get together on Friday and play a really depressing, horror-filled game and make us hate ourselves okay sure why not i guess the real world's better after you come out of this one because i don't have to worry about people dominating or sending me to a bloodbath or putting a tap in my neck sure why not this is great yet every time you have fun <laughs> allegedly <laughs> yeah well there's always that okay well do you have anything else before we turn over to the topic of the night because i think that's everything yeah, I don't. It's uh, nice to get to talk with you guys again. I know we've had some interviews and kind of been away. Uh, I will say that, you know, the world's pretty crazy. Make sure you take care of each other. Um, thanks for listening to us. Uh, hopefully it helps for a little of escape from some of the stuff going on for a little bit before we all get back to it. But we do appreciate you guys a lot. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, you know, this is definitely a passion project for nolan and i we do this sometimes just to get away from everything so we can just take this you know half hour hour whatever it is that we talk to immerse ourselves in the things that we love like role-playing games or video games and and not have to worry about the the crap that's going on in the world you know there's so much so much anger and hatred out there that it's just not well it's like the world of darkness is right here in our real life and that's that's not yep. it's not a good thing. It's it, like Nolan no. said. Sometimes we have to play in the world of darkness to escape from the real world. Yeah, yeah, it's it's frightening times, but hopefully, yes. hopefully, it'll good will come out of all of it and stay positive. 
that's exactly it. That's exactly it. Hopefully we do see some good come out of this and that, you know, this is not for nothing. So anyway, enough of that. <laughs> I will say that if you want to hear some interesting and really good, good talks, um, you should check out B. Dave Walters' uh, Dear America from a Black Man. He has put out a whole video series that is incredibly powerful. Uh, B. Dave Walters is an amazing voice within the tabletop RPG community, and I highly recommend you listen to what he's got to say. All right, so let's move on to the topic of the night. Uh, as we stated earlier, our topic of the night is an interview with David Barantina and Zach Goins. David and Zach worked together to launch the Dungeons & Dragons supplement Knights of the Shadow Realm and are back to share with us all the new things that they have going on, including their latest Kickstarter. Uh, please check out Player's Guide to Orinth, which the link is in the show notes. And with that, we will turn it over to that interview. As someone who has never launched or ever had a Kickstarter, period, I have to ask David, especially because I know, Zach, you've had a Kickstarter. Mm. How good did it feel seeing your project get funded, especially as well as it was funded? A good, is, good is one thing. Um, <clears throat> this felt a completely different level of uh, gratifying because I went into this with uh, no idea it was going to be this successful. I went into it in the sheer hope that we were at least going to reach the color, uh, full color version of this book, which was kind of the dream for me. There was, when we started this out, there was no chance in my mind we were going to get to hardcover mm -hmm. and we got to hardcover in a week. And I just, I didn't have words. I would sit here with Zach and say, I don't know, man. Like, <laughs> I don't know. We're hitting all of our stretch goals and we've got all this and we've got all that. And I just, this wasn't expected. And uh, how do we prep for this? At one point, we even added on more stretch goals because we had gotten so close to the end in a two week period that we didn't want to stop the train from going. Yeah. And it just, it was. It was fantastic to see that much support for this, specifically because this is the first Kickstarter I've done. And with this project being so important to me, uh, knowing that so many people were that interested in something I was creating, it was borderline emotional uh, for me. Borderline? I, I, I personally would have been overcome with emotion. <laughs> well, I was working the whole time, too. So while, while I was supporting it, I was also busy trying to get the second chapter of the adventure together. So I couldn't... I couldn't uh, devolve too much into the excitement of what was going on because I had to keep my nose to the grindstone. My sappy ass would have been in the bathroom crying and all kinds of excited. <laughs> I think that's going to come the moment that the book hits my hands, in yep. all honesty. I'm sure it is. That's, I mean, that is, and, and I know we said it on the show beforehand, you know, we congratulated you guys. I can't, I love the chance that I get to sit here and say to you guys in person, congratulations, because I'm so excited for you both. But. Before we get too deep into that, you guys have another project, which is why you're here today. Mm -hmm. So one of you, tell me about this exciting new project that is coming to Kickstarter. Uh, I can jump into this, or Zach, if you want to take it, we, however you want to handle this. You jump, you, you dive into the first part here. That, that sounds great. Awesome. So one of the stretch goals that we ended up adding on to the Knights of the Shadow Realm was the Player's Guide to Orient. And the idea here was... We wanted to give players a chance to have the options of what we're creating in their hands without spoiling the adventure for them. Uh, I don't know how everybody else is out there, but when I have a full book in front of me, I want to look at the full book. So if I had 
the copy of Knights of the Shadow Realm, I'd be like, all right, so this is the class I want to play. This is the race I want to play. And what's this here about Umbriel and his followers and beating a demigod and so on and so forth? And that would have just ruined it for me. So one of the things we offered as a stretch goal was a PDF copy of simply the campaign setting and the player options. And what that gave you was the ability to separate the content needed for the DM and the content handed over to the players so they could have their own copy similar to having a PHB and a Tomb of Annihilation. Mm -hmm. Uh, What happened after we presented this and we reached a stretch goal was several people were like, this is fantastic. How do I get a printed version of this? And I immediately went to Zach and said, this is fantastic that they think this is fantastic. How do we get a printed version of this? And his immediate response was, well, um, first, we need to know that we have enough prints to place an order. And we went back and forth a little bit about getting it as a part of the first Kickstarter, allowing people to back it as an add-on for the print or maybe adding it on as part of uh, another stretch goal where if we hit a certain area, people went back to the hardcover would just get the printed version of the player's guide. But at the end of it, we added that on there, I think near the end of the third week. So we're getting too close to the end of that Kickstarter to continue adding a new twist like that. So what we decided was we were going to set a predetermined amount that needed to be uh, printed, gather our quotes. And then after this one was done, we were going to launch the next Kickstarter that would uh, get our player options together, that would get everything printed, and we could get that into the hands of anybody who was interested uh, in having the actual copy in hand. Um, We're also doing this in such a way that once this one's finished, the backer kit will be open, and we can get this added on in the backer kit as well. So once this all wraps up, you'll be able to mix and match what you want on the back end from here. You mentioned Backer Kit there, David, and I have to ask, can people still get Knights of the Shadow Realm through Backer Kit? Yep. Well, yeah, they can, um, but on top of that, you can still get Knights of the Shadow Realm through the current uh, campaign that's going to. As an add-on, we have a $15 PDF version of Knights of the Shadow Realm, and we have, if you are interested in actually owning a copy of the book, you can get a copy of the book on there as well. However, because you missed out on the initial Kickstarter for this, you end up with the hardcover prices instead of the softcover prices that we did for the first Kickstarter. So it's give and take, but you do still have a chance to get it uh, with the way we're doing things. And and it sounded like you said the campaign is actually already going? Yes. Oh, I thought Zach said it was upcoming. No, this is even better. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, we are um, we are fully into uh, the Player's Guide to Orient zine kickstarter and um we're gearing up for a a side project which will be launching another kickstarter in july so there's one current and one upcoming yep and our current one only has nine days left to go so we're we are starting to close in in the final bit of this we are just 400 dollars away from hitting it hitting the goal and actually having this project funded wow yeah, I just I just pulled it up because, like, like I said, I thought Zach said it was upcoming still. Holy well, cow, guys! <laughs> hopefully that uh, hopefully that's 
that wasn't too much confusion. I, I apologize if there was too no, much. No, 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 it's fine. It's fine. Um, <laughs> and trust me, there's as many things as I had going on. It could be that I completely misread it. So I apologize. No, this is exciting because, yeah, I just I just pulled it up. You guys are less about forty one hundred dollars away from being funded or sorry, four hundred ten dollars away from being funded. Yep. Yes. Yep. Yep. With nine days to go. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. We're we're certain that we'll hit that. Um, We've got a few stretch goals for this one that we'd like to dip into, uh, kind of explain, expand the player options a bit. Um, but yeah, it, it's doing about what we hoped it would. And um, we always love more and more people coming aboard. But um, this is a project that's definitely smaller in scale um, and, and a supplement in actuality. So we're really happy with the progress that it's made so far. Yeah, it's very reactive to the interest from the first one because so many people were interested in just having this as a printed option that we wanted to we we wanted to appease those that were interested. Like if you want the content, we're we're willing to put it out there. We're listening to the people that are asking for it and we're more than happy to put in the work for it. And this is this is us giving back to those that gave so much on the first Kickstarter. Fantastic. Hey, David, I want to go back a little bit here, and because I know we talked about your world, this this world, this really immersive and reactive world that you created with Knights of the Shadow Realm, and I want to go back a little bit, for, especially if there's anybody who hasn't or never or didn't listen to that show, which why wouldn't you? Um, let's talk about let's talk about your world. Let's talk about what Orinth is, and just go into some of that detail for me. Uh, are you wanting just the detail of the adventure itself? Or are you looking for like what Orient is as a world? Let's talk about the world itself. All right. So Orient is, wow, there's so much I could go into here. I'm trying to figure out how to filter what I want to say. Uh, <laughs> we're actually focusing on a single continent in Orient. So Orient is a version of the material plane. This is our version of the material. It is a world that was created, uh, from the fall of the primordials uh, and the rising of the nine divines that took their place uh, to prove their power. The nine divines siphoned off power from the primordials crafting this new plane of existence. We have, uh, I've written up war stories for things like um, who created the earth, why certain geological features are here, but primarily the idea, the idea is Oranth is a trophy to prove the new supremacy of the nine divines over the primordials. And it is a uh, kind of sublimation of the power that was gathered from beating the old gods and the rise of the new ones. From there, it becomes your classic high fantasy setting. Uh, magic is rolling through the lands. We have people that are incredibly political and i like to play political games and you'll see that as kind of a reflection in the adventure that i put together there are factions that are fighting against each other you have uh, a caste system that is struggling for fluidity between states you have kingdoms that are butting heads against each other you have fights from uh one group to another group as guilds are trying to kind of undermine other guilds and it's there's a lot of subtlety to the world that I've put together, a lot of subtlety in how the factions interact and how the kingdoms interact. And they claim to be one united kind of nation of uh, kingships that fall under a single emperor's seat. But they all behave similarly 
to spoiled children that are fighting while their dad just sits back and rubs his, I guess, throbbing temples. <laughs> that sounds about right. Yeah, yeah. that sounds excellent. <laughs> and so the Player's Guide to Orinth, um, tell us exactly what they're going to be getting in this book. So if you follow the previous Kickstarter, you would have seen that we have a lot of options on uh, that were being unlocked with the stretch goals. Um, what those included were various uh, subclasses. They were backgrounds. They were uh, races. And I think all, when all said and done, from the previous Kickstarter, we ended up with five new subclasses. We ended up with eight new backgrounds. And I believe we ended up with uh four. five new races or four, four. new uh races mm -hmm. and we're when we put this book together we're going to take all those options we're also going to take the spells that were created and the uh, campaign setting and put all these together for the use of the players um it's important that they have all this kind of at their fingertips so that they can go back and use it as a reference uh to make things easier, instead of doing what we've done with the original uh, thing here with Nice of the Shadow Realm, where we've done a hardcover book that is just this massive project, this is going to be a lot smaller. So we've opted to do a zine format here. It's half the size of a normal book. It's an eight and a half by 11 page folded in half. It's more like a reference book than an actual book. Uh, we're looking at some high quality prints and paper for this. So you're not going to lose any kind of the uh, product quality that you would expect, but it's definitely made for a more intimate kind of read yeah. and easier for transport. I like to think of it like um, I'm running Storm King's Thunder right now for one of my groups. And imagine if your players, each player running playing Storm King's Thunder had a right, had the map of the Sword Coast, had little write-ups for all of the cities, um, had some background information on what makes the Sword Coast kind of work, um, and maybe a little bit of preamble about giants. And then along with that, they had some player options just for them to have on hand. But imagine how much more interactive your play would be at the table if every player could just flip through and find that general information about the Sword Coast and didn't have to ask the DM or just pretend that they knew the information already or look it up after the fact, but they actually could have a resource in front of them to uh, help that immersion. Okay. So, a lot like um, Elemental Evil, um, Player's Guide. Um, that's, a, that's, that's kind of what we're going for here in, in a way. Gotcha. Okay. Perfect. Zach, I wanted to ask you, because this is, you've done a few Kickstarters now, correct? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So and what was the, I guess the question is, what are some of the steps that somebody, if somebody was interested in bringing an adventure to Kickstarter, hmm. what are some of the steps that you would recommend them go through? That's a great question. Um, so I guess, I guess there's two things that jump off to my mind initially. The first is write it first, kickstart it second. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Totally agree with that. Um, you may not have a finished product. You may have other ideas for expansion. You might be in the middle of play testing. There may be revisions that you're going to want to do, but get that initial draft done um, because that's a huge amount of the work. And 
I don't think that you really know what you're getting into until you've done it. Um, so you're going to feel much more confident about your stretch goals, about your timelines, about all of these things by doing a large portion of the work ahead of time. Um, in fact, uh, this is so this is our third Kickstarter that's going to be successful now. And then we're going to do a couple more in July. Um, but with everyone, my insistence on having stuff written beforehand becomes more and more solid. Um, it just it's become the normal thing now. Um, the second thing that I would recommend is align yourself with some good artists. Um, Kickstarter is unforgiving to those who aren't willing to do at least a modicum of investment in art ahead of time. And it's very rewarding for people who are willing to, to put forth uh, a bit of cash. Um, definitely, I, bare minimum, I would recommend get yourself a cover. Um, either either your book cover or just a banner piece of illustration that's going to capture people's eyes, and then um, get yourself some spot fillers for in the interior of the Kickstarter. Um, I'm 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 a I guess you would call me like a super backer or whatever on Kickstarter, but um, I back a ton of projects, and to be frank, most of the time I know whether I'm going to buy the product or not based off the art that they're presenting before I read any of the text. So, yeah. So like the idea is you don't want to go to a Kickstarter page and have uh, poor art representing your content. Like you want good quality stuff because that's going to represent what's actually in the book. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I would say, uh, I don't, I, I'm, I'm, I am certainly not as experienced as many other people on the Kickstarter platform, and I, I wouldn't want to speak for any of them. My personal feeling is um, probably like you need to spend upwards of several hundred dollars on art for any project before, before it gets funded, before you put it to the campaign. If memory serves, David, you do the art for these, correct? Yeah, I'm kind of a one-stop shop on everything that I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. That's very right. convenient, sir. <laughs> it's very convenient, but I say time-consuming because I'm doing the writing, I'm doing the layout, I'm doing the uh, illustration, I'm doing the maps, I'm doing uh, about half of the editing, uh, the graphic design for it, signage. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and even promotion for it. <laughs> Yep, even promotion. Um, he comes alongside, and and we we kind of tackle all that marketing stuff together, and and uh, that's a big part of it as well. Is be prepared to sell yourself, and be comfortable with selling yourself um, once the Kickstarter launches. Um, you got to believe in your product quite a bit for that. Um, but yep. but if you have a hard time with getting your name out there, and you're one of these folks that says well the product should speak for itself absolutely it should but we've got to you got to get people to your page first and foremost and that takes reaching out to folks putting your names on forums and facebook groups and twitter and wherever you can uh, to drive people to that page and if you can get lucky on reddit too <laughs> yeah there you go <laughs> very true reddit's a scary place it's a it's really hit and miss like there are a lot of people out there that don't like you posting things that involve payment because that means you're basically an advertisement. But if you can find the right community, it really helps. And even in the right community, your post could get drowned by 
hundreds of other people that are posting similar content. Yeah, mm-hmm. I absolutely, absolutely. Just drew a complete blank. Sorry, guys. <laughs> That's all right. Uh, if it's all right, um, we'd love to. I'd love to do a little hype for a moment, if if it's all right with you, um, for an upcoming Kickstarter that we're going to have in a few weeks. You guys, this is your platform right now. So you get to talk about whatever you want to talk about. Yeah, you've heard, you've heard what's already here. We've got things in the works here. Specifically, Zach has a few things in the works that. Uh, I've been kind of helping play test that I know what's coming and it's pretty fantastic. Well, yeah. Zach, what's going on? Heck yeah. Okay. So um, we got a project coming and it's going to be around the 1st of July. Um, we're waiting on some of our art assets to get done. So once they're done, then we're going to solidify a timeline, but look for it beginning of July. Um, it's a product called the mother load. Um, and this is really the first product of a series of products, a series of adventures and campaigns uh, centered around a new setting that we're developing. Um, we have a setting that has been community sourced uh, through Twitch streams and things like that. Um, our community has come together to give input into what they like out of a out of a fantasy environment. And we took all that input, we still take that input, and we create product from it. Uh, the first product is called Motherload. Um, it is a level one to three adventure, uh, complete with uh, several player options. So we are going to have uh, two or three new subclasses, uh, new race, and um, some new backgrounds. We're going to do a zine on this one as well. Um, and uh, so basically, you're going to spend roughly 15 bucks, and you're going to get a level one to three adventure and player options. Uh, oh, setting map and all sorts of stuff packed into it. Um, now, Zach, you, you've gone over uh, what's coming on the uh, Kickstarter end of this, but for those that are interested in actually following along with what's happening in the streaming on Twitch, where can they find that? Uh, Drifter's Atlas. Drifter's Atlas is the the overarching identity of this product. Uh, and the elevator pitch for it is we wanted to design a product that was modular like you find in like adventures league and things like that where each venture is meant to be played in one session um so that it can work for convention play or for specific time slots or for limited run campaigns Um, we like that modular feel um, because we recognize that not everybody is going to have the time or the wherewithal or the commitment level to run through a massive level 1 to 14 campaign hardcover. Uh, so we wanted to find something that would fill a smaller role. Um, so the design intention is modular. Um, and there will be a couple of these zine Kickstarters leading up to a bigger product um, at the end of the year, which will showcase more of the world, have a whole bunch of player options, um, and will have even more modular style adventures for you to drop in. Um, and and play as much as you want to of and um, intersperse them in your current campaigns or run them all as one larger campaign that has an overarching theme. Okay, my mic was dead for a second there. You're good. You you keep mentioning zine uh, zine style. Explain to people who don't know what that is. Yep, absolutely. Um, So a zine is a smaller 
product typically is like like David said, like five and a half by eight and a half. Uh, it is a soft cover. It's got the like staple down the spine. Um, that if you've there's a there's a really good product line out there right now called um, um, Mothership, and Mothership uh, is by Tuesday Night Games, and uh, they they love the zine format. Kickstarter itself loves the zine format. They do um, hype runs, I guess you'd call them, for people who are putting out zines. At, I think a couple times a year. Um, the reason that I like it and the reason that it's promoted a lot is because it's inexpensive. Um, it's inexpensive for you as the consumer. It's inexpensive as for us as the producer. And they're a product that you can get from your print shop right down the street. Certainly you can get them domestically. So you're talking about shorter print times. You're talking about shorter shipping times and um, easier accessibility. Uh, and they're easier to lay out for. So all around, um, they they have some limitations. They can't be over a certain size. Um, but if your product is meant to be contained and small or short, um, then they're a perfect answer for that. Yeah. For me, when I think of zines, of course, this goes way back to when I was a teenager in the 80s and 90s showing my age again i mean this is people did their own you know yep do-it-yourself zines all the time especially yep. for you know that counterculture if you will that i was a part of <laughs> so white well, wolf did a lot of zines yes, i think that's how they started yeah yeah yep yep the original white wolf magazines were done that way mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's very true so what other projects do we have coming up uh so let's see we talked about player's guide we talked a little bit about uh, mother load the only mm-hmm. other one that i would hype um this one's probably coming end of july um and it's one i really love it kind of goes back to oceanic depths in style um this one is a product uh title to be announced but it's going to take it's going to take on dragons and we're going to give you a whole bunch of new dragons new ways of looking at dragons um and and present them to you in a in a roster format kind of like we did with the villains in oceanic depths so perfect yeah it's going to be really fun the reason i like this format is because it's our opportunity to bring on a whole bunch of authors um there's going to be like seven authors tied to this dragon product um some of them are brand new some of them are people that we've known and worked with a lot um but it gives all of these authors their own space to play in, their own uh, space to kind of show off their own skills and personality. And what I think you'll get from it is 10 completely different takes on what a dragon can be um, and all the resources to drop each one of those dragons into your world. So who doesn't need more dragons? Well, I, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> Insurance agencies certainly don't want more dragons. <laughs> Very true. David, I want to circle back to you a little bit because, you know, I know Knights of the Shadow Realm was was really your 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 baby. And, of course, Player's Guide to Orinth is you as well. What would you say to someone who is interested in, you know, creating their own world, potentially to publish, but has never done it before and is trying to, you know, wrap their mind around how to do it. What are some, what's some advice you would give somebody? So I think I mentioned this last time and it still holds true. Uh, 
it's one page at a time. When I started this, if I had considered that I would have been building an entire world, an entire adventure, all these player options and everything right from the get-go, I would not have done this because it would have just been a wall of content that I knew that I needed to do. And it would have made for kind of, it would have kind of forced me to just walk away from it. Instead, what happened is this world that we're playing in is the culmination of uh, six plus years of work um, that all started because a group of friends got together. I needed a starting town. So I called it Avondale and it has just grown and grown and grown from that. Um, now that all being said, it is still work. Uh, if you want to create a world like this, you need to put pen to paper. You need to sit down and actually think things out and write things out and continue to take those baby steps and edit it and like really kind of streamline the idea that you have together. The adventure that I'm putting together for this, each chapter has been rewritten at least five times. And that's, that's not just from editing. That's honestly, that's from me losing a lot of my notes and having to rewrite it. But uh, even, even rewriting it, I had to rethink things and then rewrite that and rethink how uh, the layout was for stuff and rewrite connections there. And once all that was done, it went into uh, edit, an editor's hands, which involved a rewrite. And that's after I edited it twice which I'm doing with the other ones. And it's just a matter of like, it's work. It's nose to the grindstone. If this is something that you want to do, you have to be passionate about it. And you have to uh, realize it's going to be a lot of work. It's that whole uh, Edison quote of genius is 10% inspiration and 90% perspiration. A, a thing I would add to that, talking about building your worlds and, and looking to put them out as products, um, try to get something else alongside your setting. Um, try to write an adventure. Try to come up with some player options. Try to do something other than say, oh, this is the world, and these are the kingdoms, and this is the the interaction therein. Um, create some monsters. Do something. Um, what you'll find if you go on Kickstarter is that there are certainly there certainly are standard campaign settings that that fund, but by far and above the products that do well, the products that succeed, the product that hits stretch goals, all of that sort of stuff, are products that contain more than just the setting. Um, and and if you're really good at writing monsters, bestiaries are a huge selling point. So that's just a little. Take that for what it's worth, but but look at expanding and 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 adding some of that mechanical, some of those mechanical aspects to your product. Yeah, because really, what you're wanting is to build a world and introduce people to it. But at the base, what you're wanting is those people to interact with your world. So make the campaign setting, but give them tools to actually allow that interaction. Yep. There's a reason that Sword Coast Adventures Guide is. A forgotten book in the bestiary still is like the number one seller, right? Um, people love the people love one way more than the other. That is very true. And let's say so people like monsters. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, I mean, it's fun to sit down with your monster manual and flip through it and look at the different monsters and and especially like like Zach said, look at the different artwork and 
and see those things. It's just it's just fun. Although how... Sword Coast Adventure Guide is one of the most used books at our table. Oh, yeah. Well, and I think a big part of it, too, is that B-Series offer the DM an opportunity to drop something on the table that their players don't know. Um, and that's that's what's so cool about it. That's why um, so many people put out a bestiary is because DMs are always out there looking for different ways that they can surprise their players, and new bestiaries are a good way to do that. And new bestiaries, new bestiaries are fun because then you can explore the world through the lens of how creatures exist in it. So it can, for a writer's perspective, it can be fun because you're still putting together a campaign setting, but you're doing so in a means that is uh, more interactive and, I guess, more explorative. Okay, guys, what else do we have coming up? Anything else? Um, I want to talk a little bit more on the Twitch stream that uh, Zach has been getting together uh, because I'm personally like enamored with it. I love this thing. So the Drifters Atlas is something that he has been working on alongside a friend of his named Thomas. Uh, I can't remember his last name off the top of my head. Yeah, Thomas Vopal. And uh, what it is, is basically just, are you a creator? Are you interested in building a world, hanging out? Then join, watch it. They take a lot of suggestions out of the chat and put it into the world. Uh, then they put their own spin onto it. It's incredibly fun to watch and participate in. And I am a, I'm a regular on Tuesday nights, at least. I've come into a couple weekend streams, but primarily I'm there on their weeknights. Uh, yeah. One thing. Oh, go ahead. Well, I was just gonna say it's Tuesday nights at nine p.m. Central, and then we do like sporadic weekends uh, when we have time. But it's every Tuesday night at nine Central. And this Twitch stream is growing. It's uh, there are a lot of plans for new content. Uh, Zach himself, he's playing a Dungeon on Monday nights, I believe it is. Mm-hmm. And after I get the adventure that I'm currently working on 100% completed. I'm going to be setting up a virtual tabletop of my own and looking for a group, and I will be looking to uh, join them as a streamer to have a live play D&D uh, Twitch stream. It'll be a Knights of the Shadow Realm played with the creator. So if you back the book and you want to see how it's ran, uh, that'll be a really good resource. That'd be really cool. Yep. Uh, I'll do a quick plug if 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 it's all right. Um, I don't know when this is going out. Do you have an idea for when this episode will will drop? This will come out this Sunday. Oh, awesome. Um, I'm going to hype you. You guys got nine days left. This needs to come out right away. (laughs) Uh, I'm going to hype D&D Live. Uh, Have you heard anything about D&D Live on your end yet? You know, of course, we... we... You are damned is to stay up to date on everything that's going on with D&D, and that is one thing that we are indeed ch- uh, following. Cool. Uh, yeah, so I'm running. Uh, I've been one of the DMs selected to run for D&D Live this year. Um, Congratulations. I, thank you. It's really, it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, so what, I can't say a whole lot about it because it is a preview for season 10. Um, but what I can tell you is that um, the adventure is fun. Um, it's crazy. All the DMs that have been picked are excellent. You can play yourself. Um, if you go to like, uh, it's like, which is the coast D and D live. If you just Google that, you'll find it. You can register and sign up and play, um, an hour long game with one of our, um, illustrious DMs. Um, we're, we're all set to go on virtual tabletop platforms. You can pick which platform you want and you'll get a DM that's comfortable on that platform. If you don't 
if you're not used to uh, virtual tabletops and you just want to get on Skype or you just want to get on Google Hangouts or Zoom and just do it all theater of the mind, there's people that are set up for that. Um, there's been a lot of coordinating on the back end, a lot of like um, uh, troubleshooting and problem solving and and ideas floating around. Um, and I'm just really excited that they chose to do this virtual format this year. And um, I think you're going to have a blast. I suspect with, you know, one of the other things, many things that I do is I'm also a magic judge and I've been to many Grand Prix. And of yeah. course, all actual, uh, not actual play, but all tournaments like that have been canceled for the year. Mm -hmm. I would not be surprised if we start seeing these virtual conventions um, mm -hmm. like D&D Live or even like Onyx Path, which they're doing this weekend. Ooh, um, yeah. I think these are going to become more and more normal. Yep. With the I mean, announcement, it makes, it makes it more accessible for everybody too. So I, I can definitely it see it becoming more of a thing simply because so many more people have an avenue to actually join. Exactly. I, I agree with you. The only the only negative I can see with for that, David, is that it makes it so networking might be a little bit more difficult. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. For the for the producers of content, right. Uh, you're going to miss it. I mean, uh, with the announcements today, um, we're now the, the soonest convention on the slate right now that has not been canceled is November. Um, so we're going to go almost a full year with no, with no networking and no actual conventions in general. So, yeah, which is unfortunate. It is unfortunate. I mean, it is what it is. Uh, right. you know, they got to do what they got to do. And I'm not here to complain about that. Um, that being said, we all miss it. Um, we all want them to come back as soon as they're able to. And, um, um, but yeah, I, I think that there's something to be said. If you get on some of the forums uh, for Dungeons and Dragons right now, you'll see that people are very appreciative of any of the work that any of these companies are doing to try to maintain a community atmosphere and, and an atmosphere of accessibility, even in a time where everybody's um, in their own homes. Completely agree. And, and Dungeons and Dragons in particular has done a great job of releasing free adventures throughout yep. this entire time. For In fact, that's one of the things we talk about just about every week on our show is, hey, this is the new adventure. Go check it out. Mm -hmm. um, and, and even the virtual tabletop stuff that you guys have talked about. I, I do have to ask is. Are, with the with the adventures that you guys are creating, are they going to be compatible with things like Roll20 or Astral or any of the other virtual tabletops? So that's I'm. I'm interested in following that route at some point in the future, but I haven't had a chance to research it on my own. Uh, That's currently. fair. Uh, with, that everything is completely doing, fair. You know, with everything else I've been doing for this specific project, no, it won't be compatible with a uh, virtual tabletop. But that's not to say that that's not something that I'm interested in figuring out how to work with moving forward to uh, kind of make this a little more of a uh, an easy step for any DM out there that is looking to move into a virtual tabletop setting. Yeah, we, from our earliest discussions, we were talking about virtual tabletop implementation. And one of the things that we feel strongly is that we need to deliver a product that we're comfortable with and that we know we can we can get out uh, first. And then we'll dive into some of these uh, expansional opportunities secondary. Um, you know, we're going to make virtual tabletop tokens for the creature new creatures that you have for David's campaign. So that's our first little... Uh, nod towards that community, but we'd like to we'd like to um, assist them in any way that we can 
uh, feasibly do so with projects going forward. That sounds good. Guys, that's about all the time that we're going to have. For, I, I do thank you both so much for coming on the show. And, and Zach, thanks for reaching out to me again and saying, hey, we got another project we'd love to come talk about. I encourage you guys to do that anytime thank you, you. want to come on and tell us about stuff. Thank you. You guys continue to be one of the best, um, I'll say like the independent podcast out there, um, one that I really enjoy listening to and I hold in high regard. So um, it's always really exciting when we get to hop on here and talk to you in person. We really appreciate that. This is absolutely a passion project for us. We don't think we'll ever get rich doing it, but we sure do love doing it. <laughs> That's about right. Yep. <laughs> David, Zach, thank you guys so much. I look forward to all the success that you guys are going to have because you're going to have a lot. Thank you so much. We, we definitely hope. <laughs> <laughs>